Welcome back everybody to our podcast. It is our ninth episode and before I go into the emotion of sadness I'd like to answer a question that was raised during the week in something that was said last week um, about why we have to go backwards to go forwards. Now the meaning behind that is that we have to know where we've come from to understand where we are at the present moment and therefore we can change our behaviour in going forward. But I was watching a horse race during the week and it reminded me quite a lot of it. And I was watching a friend of mine who is a serious um, horsey person um, and who has to know the ins and outs and the form of the horse and how many races it's won and who fathered it and who mothered it and all that. And it struck me as being very symbolic of what we're talking about. Um, because unless I know the background, then I'm not going to understand its present. So the other thing that struck me was I was in doing some shopping and I was getting some meat. And I was listening to a lady beside me who was saying, now, is that Irish meat? It struck me as being a very strange question. But at the same time, I realise now that in actual fact, how often do we do that? Why do we not buy Cyprus meat or British beef or Canadian beef or whatever, whatever country it is? And it struck me that it's because we know the background. It's because we trust the Irish beef. And why do we trust it? Because we know it. We know the farmers in a lot of cases. We know which farm the beef comes from. So why is that important? It's the same with our lives. If we don't know where we've been, how can we go forward? So I hope this answers in some sort of way, or at least begin to question as to why we need to understand our background. Each individual will be different. Some people will start from where they're at, but inevitably it will go back to our history, our how we were raised, how we were born, all of that. But sometimes our head gets in the way and we forget that. So I hope this has been helpful. Um, if you need any more clarity on it, please feel free. I'll do my best to answer it. But that's the best I can come up with for now. So let's go into this world of sadness. So grab yourself a cup of tea, sit back and let's begin. So what is sadness? While it's often considered a rather negative emotion. However, it does serve us because of its importance and the importance of its role when it is a signal to us that we really need to receive comfort or help. Sadness describes the range of emotional states we can experience, which contains everything from kind of mild disappointment to extreme despair or anguish. It can also be accompanied by other emotions like anger, for example, having someone you love abandon you or fear that we cannot 
or are unable to move on with or cope with life. And even joy, where we're reminded about time spent with a person that is gone, or when we've lost something that is precious to us. The most commonly accepted trigger for sadness is the loss of someone or something that is special to us. However, each person will have their own degree of it, depending on our cultural background, our personal understanding of value and loss. Some of the most common triggers associated with sadness are endings and goodbyes, sickness, death of a loved one, loss of an object, loss of some part or all of our own identity, and being disappointed. So let's take a look at a couple of these. Say, for example, endings and goodbyes. There are things that we do and say when it's time to leave um, a person or a place that may seem weird or not our usual way of behaving, when in fact it is our way of coping. See if you fall into any of the following. We distance ourselves. So we all have a little stopwatch in our head when it comes time to leave or go away from places or people that have a connection with us. The closer the time gets, the more aware that it's real. And we might start to distance ourselves from people we've become close to. Why? Because we find it difficult. So we act a little less excited to see them and don't make as many plans. We might even keep them at arm's length so that when we do actually have to say goodbye, some of it is already done. So it makes it just that little less intense at the moment of the ending itself. The reason for this distancing is to make it easier or to prepare ourselves for the physical distance that will happen and of which we can't control. But it's our way of trying. We can get angry. When there's so much going on at present, it's way too difficult to make sense of it all. We know that change can be good for us, but it's also very scary. And being frightened can make us feel, I suppose, a sense of vulnerability. And we don't like that, so we get angry. And being angry is much easier to deal with more than being afraid but it's also easier to be angry with people that are close. Because there is, I suppose, a hope that we know that they know us better and that they will still love us. We don't want to leave, so when it comes to the actual time for going, we can't stop with all our anger because we realise, well, it was just a coping mechanism, a way to try and fight the fear. They need us. We can start to become very anxious before we or they leave because we're either scared, angry or even excited. And with all these emotions being around us, we pull them all into ourselves and become people who require a great deal of attention. We avoid the leaving our goodbyes at all costs. 
Now with this one, which is kind of obvious, we are faced with an ending or a goodbye we just refuse to accept. We can at times not realise we're doing this. We just avoid the whole process of the goodbye altogether. And of course we also have the cry. Our tears seem to be linked to our emotions. And during a goodbye or, or any sort of an ending, our emotions seem to be out of control. It is a symbol of something ending, the death of something. And it's hitting us harder than we had planned. Now crying is not a bad thing. It's just simply an expression. It's saying something is going to be different now. It's not going to be the same anymore. So don't ever be embarrassed about allowing your tears to fall. Maybe change the thought pattern around it. Maybe try to see it as it was beautiful and it still will be, just in a different way. Embrace the change. Another one to look at would be sickness and or death of a loved one. And this almost speaks for itself. For in the beginning you may feel like you're almost going crazy. You want to lash out at everyone around you. And guess what? It's normal. Really. You may cry over everything. Every little thing that comes up you may want to cry. And you may cry. You may want to stay in the same clothes for a few days and not talk to anyone. That's normal. However, over time the sadness will ease and so will the pain of the loss. Having said that, if it continues into weeks and even months, then you may need a little help to come back to yourself because otherwise depression may set in. But in most cases, we need to feel low and emotional. Because it shows there is a life within us and that we care. Now there is also a difference between moods and emotions. And this difference is between, I suppose, how long they last. Sadness, would you believe, is one of the longest lasting emotions alongside fear. With sadness... We can go from protest to helplessness, to denial, to acceptance, and think we are coming out of it when it starts all over again with anger and back to protest or helplessness. So it takes time and patience. We spoke last week about sadness is also different from depression. In simple terms, depression has sadness but it's where sadness is recurrent persistent and intense and where it stops you from living your everyday life in other words it interferes with you functioning on any sort of a level of balance for long periods so how do you spot genuine expression of sadness of course, one of the more reliable signs is where your eyebrows angle upwards. 
Why do I say this? Well, some people try to fake sadness for attention or control. But these facial expressions can only be maintained by somebody who is genuinely sad for a longer period of time. And therefore it's harder to fake. Another way to notice sadness is through vocal expression. Depending on how intense a person's sadness is, their voice can either be at a lower tone and softer, i.e. sobbing, or higher and louder, for example if somebody is wailing. There's often a loss of muscle tone, or a hunched or lower posture. I suppose like somebody has the weight of the world on their shoulders. And if you were honest, you've probably felt that at times. The person may not look at you directly and may even hang their head looking downward. The main and fundamental function of sadness is to, I suppose in its own way, a signal for help. It may be saying, please, I need comfort or I need you to tell me I'm not going crazy. I need you to tell me it's going to be okay. I have to say there are some people who actually enjoy being in a permanent state of sadness because they are in victim mode and this in itself needs to be given help. Others may completely deny they feel sadness and may go to even extreme lengths to avoid the situation or any situation where they believe could trigger this emotion. This in itself could cause some to avoid attachment to anyone, which in itself leads to a lack of commitment, since it could lead them into being in a vulnerable position. Sometimes how we respond to someone's sadness can either help them or hinder their healing. And that also goes for our own sadness. We can either acknowledge it, which can be all that it takes, it's all that's needed, in order to start the healing process. Or we don't acknowledge it. Then we must ask why. Why we're doing that? What has been triggered in me that I can't admit? It's how I am. Or how somebody else is feeling. So here's a question. Is there any value to sadness? The simple answer is yes. It is a live emotion. And it serves to remind us that something or somebody in our life actually matters. In life we experience painful realities. That happens. It happens in our interpersonal relationships. When we're rejected or in our frustrations, we also feel, face pain through loss, disease, death and many other realities. Even in our childhood, because we couldn't verbalise or articulate the pain and fear we experienced, yet somehow we may have carried forward into our adult lives the sadness of these childhood experiences. 
and some of our coping methods that have helped in the past may not be helping us now. For example, drowning one's sorrows or permanently isolating themselves. These methods can, and sometimes do, lead to alcoholism and depression. So, what can help? Well, there are several methods that come to mind that may actually, I suppose, give a basis for the beginning of the process. One of those is spending time with family. Or, strange as it may seem, spending time with a pet. Creating a list or engaging in some form of activity that helps us to express and release our sadness. Excluding oneself from social activity so as to take time to recover. But not long term. Of course, getting therapy to help talk about it when we can't find anybody around us to do it. Or we don't want to say to those around us how we're feeling. Re-engage life's social gatherings. And I know in this present time that's a little bit more difficult. And I can see that sadness is on the increase because we don't have that interaction that we've had in the past. There are many other ways we can find to help us re-establish our happy side. However, one of the things that we must remember is that healing takes time. It takes persistence and consistency. Healing will only happen when we acknowledge how we're feeling. That is the beginning of the process. So thank you for joining me this evening. And I'll leave you with a quote that I read recently from Christopher Morley about sadness. And it goes, Heavy hearts, like heavy clouds in the sky, are best relieved by the letting of a little water. So for now, let us leave sadness where it is. Don't be afraid to contact us with questions, suggestions, ideas. Please feel free. We're here to serve. And in case I forget it, I'm not telling you what next week's podcast is going to be about. It's going to be a surprise. So have a wonderful week. Stay well, stay happy, stay safe. Namaste.